0: Are you curious about the ins and outs of advertising, but never got the answers you needed? Then this is your podcast. Welcome to The Big Idea. Brand new trends, news, a viral funny video, social media is a double-edged sword. While well, it can be a very fun place, if you're on the other side of managing it, it can be challenging. You really need to learn how to use strategy as your weapon to unlock its full potential. And for that, my co-host Victoria and I, Andrea, have brought over Moxie Garrett digital strategist and industry veteran of over 20 years to help us figure out a bit more about the good and the bad of social media. Mox is such a pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here.
0: You have been a major figure in the Canadian industry, as we mentioned before, like over 20 years, so much experience. So can you tell us a bit more about What exactly do you do and your role in general?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you have said a couple of times, I've been in the industry a very long time. Uh, I did start in a traditional integrated industry right out of university but quickly after a couple of years of learning the ropes of agency life I pivoted directly into digital only in about 2007 so pretty exciting times back then Facebook was just coming to fruition Twitter was just coming to fruition so I was left working with brands that didn't really know how to navigate a, a new landscape we talk about a new landscape all the time still now in 2021 so you can imagine in 2007 you know even how should we have social media channels what do we do what are escalation protocols how do we you know how do we use our brand there what's appropriate everyone was really scared of it and a lot of people didn't have any digital acumen at that time so a lot of people a lot of brands were just getting their websites up and running so really kind of helped navigate that done the, the first and largest facebook group in canada as well it was uh, the most Canadian and Coors Light accounts at the time uh back in the day brands couldn't just set up a facebook account they actually had to pay uh to have that presence so it was a really really different landscape and working with a beer company uh, and social media, even just around uh, conduct, right? Like making sure people were legal drinking age. How do you assure a brand that those things are being done? So working directly with Facebook to ensure that those types of functionalities and and gates were were set up properly from the get-go. So worked at, uh, like I said, digital boutique agency. I worked for tech consultancy, Sapient Nitro as well. Uh, Larger agent global agencies like Juniper Park, TBWA. I just recently was VP of digital experience at Duggan Partners, which is a small independent agency. And like a lot of people in my industry um, this summer uh, have now gone into independent consulting once again. So kind of hit a little bit of everything in my career and uh, now I'm kind of back to basics and helping brands one-on-one navigate.
2: That's awesome. Um, fo- kind of like following up that question, as students um, there's a lot of doubt when it comes to starting when just starting but most importantly why do we really need social media strategy and what is it? its main purpose from your perspective?
1: Yeah absolutely. I mean even strategists don't agree on what strategy is all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Strategy and tactics and goals and objectives you know th- there's a lot of misuse and of those words, and there's not always a clear understanding. So totally fair question. But at the end of the day, like social media strategy should work hard to support your business goals. Again, it's not something you just do because you like influencers and you want to have fun and you think you're a content creator. It really has to ladder up to. Business goals—it is there for a reason, and, and it does have—it it does have specific goals. So, without a strategy, you have nothing really focusing your efforts towards a goal or guiding principles to keep you on the rails. And then, ultimately, you have nothing to measure success against either. Right? You have to be able to validate the work because even though a lot of brands think social media is free, it's really not. And you need a large investment in it, so you need to be able to validate that uh, as you go. And the strategy is the framework around that—how you set those goals how you keep it on the guardrails and then how you measure success. And it just adds some rigor and adds some discipline into just like posting, right? Cause mm-hmm. posting content for the sake of it, it doesn't ladder up to anything. It's not focused. It's on a, efficient use of your resources either you could just be like you know it's it's not about pretty pictures and pretty pictures while certainly part of it it's not really um it's not really a great way to approach it if you're looking to really maximize your your return on investment
0: no that makes complete sense and that part of like doing things with a purpose it's something that a lot of teachers have drilled into our head and Mm -hmm. like if if you say that's how it is and it's a reason that they taught us this with that where you were saying that strategy being a main pillar as well strategy is something that specific people do in an agency but a highly debated question that some of us like students have when we're studying and picking classes is like why do other creatives like art directors like i'm not an art director or copywriters should learn some strategy basics it's a business class at the end of the day it may not be in our main focus but why not just leave it to the account side like what kind of benefit can it bring other creatives that are not in the account side in the long run of our careers.
1: I have a pretty strong POV on this and I absolutely think creatives should learn the strategy basics. So, you know, working in an agency ecosystem, you should try and learn about a little bit about what everyone does right. I was an account person for 10 years before I pivoted into strategy. I've been a UX copywriter, so I've also worked on a creative team. And really, if you it makes everyone kind of better at their jobs and it also poises you like it sets you up better to be in a leadership position if you understand, right? Like, I'm sure everyone has uh, things in their career as you progress that you want to achieve. If you don't understand the ecosystem and how everyone kind of works together, what their job functions are it is gonna be harder to move into more of a leadership position. So it's important to also to be able to speak the same language as your colleagues, not only to improve the work, but to build relief account people go through unless you've actually, you know, you spend the time to, to learn it or be there and same with creatives and strategy. Strategy and creative roles are just linked together and you're both responsible for the ultimate outcome. So understanding each other is super key. And if you work at a smaller agency or you're freelancing, you're not always gonna have the benefit of having a planner or a strategist at your disposal. So if you want to be a really great creative, in my opinion, you need to learn to be a thinker as well as a doer and understanding how to respond to a brief and how that brief was constructed to set you up for success. So you can have that dialogue with a strategist too, right? Like it's, it's really, really important. And I think a strategist should certainly understand basic design principles, what makes great social media and the why as well. So. True is both for for both in all functions.
2: I kind of like a follow up question regarding the whole knowing the steps. What do you think are the key steps we should follow to build a successful social media strategy? That is a really good question. It's a pretty big question,
1: (laughs) but Um, again, I like I'm an. You know, evident, being evidence-based as a strategist is is pretty, pretty key, especially when it comes to social media. And I would say the very first thing, which I already touched on, is that you have to align social media goals to business objectives. Like that's really the most important place to start. I like to use something or, or would encourage you to use just what are called SMART goals. It's a SMART goal framework. It's very, very common and SMART's an acronym. It stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. You have to be able to say you're going to achieve something in a certain amount of time, right? You you have to be specific about what you're trying to do. You have to know how you're going to measure it. It has to be like within the realm of possibilities. It has to be attainable. It's got to be relevant. And then again, you've got to put some time on it. You know, are you trying to do this in three weeks, six weeks, one year? And and so you have to put those kind of guardrails around your objectives. And then the next thing I would do is set set up a measurement plan and track meaningful metrics. So set your your, uh, goals up. And then look at how you're going to measure them and figure out the cadence of that and like really understand and align with what you're measuring used to all be about community growth and what they call vanity Mm -hmm. metrics but if you know what you're actually trying to achieve it should follow that you're going to understand what success looks like and how you're going to measure it
2: saying that's a very like the way you worded it like it all makes sense like (laughs) when you're saying it in actual steps, but like thinking through the process of it. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's,
1: it's really foundational and a lot of people do skip the foundational stuff. Next, I kind of go into audience, right? Like you really have to know as much as possible about your audience. They are your, you know, they're your consumers, they're your people. You have to make sure what you're doing is resonating with them. Not only content, but the times that you're posting and you know, that you're kind of solving their problems, that you're giving them information the way that they want it and when they want it. Really digging into that. Don't make assumptions about them. Don't make a assumptions about what channels they're using or how they're using it. You know, there's a lot of anecdotes around. Oh, younger people are leaving Facebook, which is true, but it is also yeah. <laughs> not true. So, you know, you really you can't make assumptions. You got to go back and a lot of it you can do with desk research. You know, you don't have to get into like major research uh, endeavors, but really understand them and then try and put together some personas. You know, understand, hey, we've, you know, if you're talking to Moms. Well, what kind, you know, what kind, where are they living? Mm -hmm. What do they do? What are their ages? What are their problems? What are the issues um, that are pressing? How do they use technology? So just start to gather as much information around your audience. And then I'd go right to your competition, right? Like who else is at the table? Do a bit Mm -hmm. of a competitive analysis. Again, easy to do with desk research, but who's in the space? You know, what are they doing? What's cool? What's not? What's Mm -hmm. successful for them? If you have the benefit of a social media listening tool or something, use that too. But normally you can just do a bit of a scrub and and just check out what's going on. You know, you have to be really the most knowledgeable person about what's going on with your audience and your consumers and culture and everything. Mm -hmm. From there, I usually move into like an audit. So some, you know, not many people these days are starting from scratch, but, you know, really you want to look at all the digital properties. I spend a lot of time auditing properties. So, you know, what's going on and if they've got LinkedIn set up or Facebook or Pinterest or TikTok and their website and their email, look at every piece in their digital ecosystem, see what's working, see what's not. You know, just kind of understand what's, what it's doing, the purpose of all of those things. And then sometimes even do a SWOT analysis, right? The strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And you can take a look and just generally develop a point of view about what's going, what's going well and what's not going well so that's kind of Mm -hmm. where i would start to kind of inform my efforts and then kind of move into you know setting up additional accounts or improving profiles you know things like that do the bare minimum of like cleanup Mm -hmm. and i also advise kind of there to give each channel that you're using including again i think an ecosystem so not only social media but like your websites and, and and your emails and stuff give every single channel like a mission statement right because they're not all supposed to do the same thing yeah so linkedin you're probably not trying to sell product if it's if it's packaged goods you, you may be if it's if it's something else but you may be trying to establish your brand as a thought leader right but maybe mm-hmm. in Pinterest, you're doing social shopping. So really distinguishing what the purpose is and how you're going to e- use each of those channels. So you're maximizing their opportunities and their technology and like the, their audiences and, and those audience expectations. So that's kind of how, how I would start. Um, right. A couple, you know, there are, there are quite a few more steps, you know, then I would look at other accounts. I'd find inspiration in just accounts I thought were doing really great stuff in that industry, beyond that industry, just look at who's kicking ass, you know, like just see what you like, see what even if you're working with a client, what they like, they can't always articulate. You're like, we want it to be awesome. You're like, what does that mean to you? So helping, you know, bring them on that journey and finding out what, what they like and why is really important. And then you can kind of take a couple pages out of, you know, the books of yeah. those who are doing, doing a really, really, really good job. Mm-hmm. And then from there, from there, moving into content strategy and content calendars and things like that. Now, fuzzy lines between social strategy and content strategy, they, they should kind of be two separate things, but for the sake of simplicity, Once you kind of have done all the discovery and requirements gathering, I just talked a long time about, you can start to lay out a social media calendar, right? So just figuring out your posting schedule, your content mix, your use of channels, the intent, your evergreens you want to do, you know, brand requirements and start from there. And uh, I'd say from there, one of the most important things is then evaluating and adjusting your strategy. So this is like one of the take home messages I think is, When you set a social media strategy, it's not set in stone. You know, your business objectives should be a little bit more uh, solid, but your strategy can be adjusted. You know, it needs to, once the main plan is in place, you need to be able to be agile and iterative and allow for some real-time pivots as things do change. Um, So it's really important to keep an eye on your metrics, you know, bring it back to the beginning where I was thinking about setting them, look at them all the time, you know, look at them weekly, look at them monthly, quarterly, annually, and document it so you can see the performance against your goals on a you know, month year year over year, month over month, week mm-hmm. over week, and you can understand the growth and the opportunities. And then you can reevaluate and you can test and you can you can kind of do it, do it again. Yeah. The last sorry, the last thing I'll say is the most important and most guides you won't really get this in. But from experience, where I see people fall down is around the foundational parts of the strategy. So the resourcing plan, who's doing it, who's doing the work, who's producing content. Who's responsible for community management? Those are two different things. What's the budget commitment? What's the time required? It's not a side of desk effort. It is like its own own thing. So what paid support, you can build it, you can do a really good job, just because you build it, it does not mean it will come. You know, people will come to it. You need to really look at paid amplification through media as well. Do you have budget for social listening tools? Do you have photography and content budget? Brands are like, hey, make some content. You're like, hey, How about some money to take some pictures, right? Like all these kind of foundational make go are often left out of strategy, but strategy is also how you're going to get these things done so you really have to make sure to, to to nail that in in the beginning phases i mm-hmm. honestly
0: never knew that i always thought like it's part of like the production team and the production people yeah. do it, but that's great to hear like especially for people that want to get into strategies or like try to figure out maybe this is my side it's it's an important thing to know to not overlook like as you're saying like mm-hmm. it's something that people can fail with and it's it's a great tip to keep in mind that if you want to make like a really good impression as a strategy when you're starting mm-hmm. Get your head, get your hand in the game, like with that. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You need a roadmap,
1: right? Like figuring out what you're going to do. Um, but you also have to have a really good idea and the experience, to know, how you're going to do it. And it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, but working with your team. Okay. Here are the questions we have to, we have to, we have to work with this. And that's where you're going to spend a lot of time with your account counterparts to work that stuff out and figure out how you're going to do it. As a strategist, you should be able to have at the very least high-level roadmap how you're going to get some of these things done especially when it comes to social
2: media that's very true another question but you talked about how you always go back to your um, strategy and like sometimes like you said it might change in regards to that in your opinion do any of these steps change for you personally or from what you know when it came to new consumers needing being at home for covid and staying home due to that or did any of those change in the in the midst would you say or was it absolutely yeah yeah no
1: no absolutely i was certainly in the thick of it with a lot of my clients and, and brands and things changed obviously significantly so everything then took on a covid lens specifically so I think that there's kind of three three main ways I saw things change and I had to to kind of pivot to do so. The first was around kind of content sensitivity, right? Remember brands were coming out and people weren't wearing masks and people were losing their minds because there's commercials and you saw disclaimers at the bottom of commercials saying filmed before COVID, right? Like all of that, you had to kind of relook at content plans and make sure um, that it it was really taking into account the the anxiety and the sensitivities people were feeling around that type of content. So looking at that, pulling down ads, we had complaints with different clients from consumers because people were hanging out too close to each other, that sort of thing. So at a really functional level, looking at content and making sure um, that it was appropriate as you know, the whole world kind of changed underneath us was, was really key. Another thing was like kind of looking at, I had a, I had a particular client that was going to do a lot of content around driving people to trade show all of a sudden no trade shows. So then what do you do with all that, that time in the schedule, that budget, How do you pivot? How do you look for insightful things that are still important to people? So getting right into kind of very new consumer research, trying to figure out what was going to happen, how people were feeling and how we could tailor content and investments properly. So content, super, super big deal. The other thing was really, you know, obviously everyone was online more. We know that everyone was kind of flocking online, consuming more content which was kind of like raising the innovation expectation from people, they wanted to see new stuff and cool stuff and be entertained. So really looking at, at the online kind of customer experiences and how we could give them more and better and make sure that it was making them feel good during that time. So, so that was something else that we looked at. Um, The other thing was also like the rise of social shopping. So back in the day, it was like, do not sell on social, do not sell on social. That was the one, number one, but consumers expectations of social content's really different. And that was certainly kind of pushed forward and accelerated with the pandemic because people are more willing to be sold to during the pandemic. They wanted to shop. They wanted to get their goods that way. So brands had to be able to kind of reduce friction, not only in their social platforms, but between their social platforms and their e-commerce platforms. So again, back to that ecosystem stuff I was talking to, all of a sudden you wanted to make sure that your social was connected to your emails and your CRM, right? You want to make sure that your social was driving to site to purchase. And you want to make sure that all those pieces of the puzzle were all working together to really provide a really great consumer experience when people were were stuck at home. And then the, the, the one other thing around that too, like around the content and around the shopping and around the more people online, right, was the reintroduction of content and content creators, right? So we see the rise of TikTok, not only among the younger demos, but their moms too. And just really seeing people starting to allocate more budget and scrambling to come up with strategies that would include that type of content as well. And it's funny because now you see all the research and all the articles shifting to now what does post pandemic look like, right? Just as we're cresting that at least in this part of the world, the changes in comms that you're going to see, you know, a lot of a lot of it you see like people are going back to normal, right? There's people partying on online and things like that, but it's going to be interesting to see now how brands, if they go back to normal or to what degree and, and what changes. But I, I think some of the new content trends are definitely here to stay. And
0: definitely you already touched on it, already mentioning TikTok rise through the pandemic because of what they need of wanting to be entertained. Like you said, one of the reasons TikTok has grown so much, it's because everything's visual and because the videos are, are so short, people actually get hooked up like into the content. Cause like our attention span, I think it's now less than 10 seconds we're probably worse at a goldfish at this point and because of its effectiveness like other platforms starting adopting kind of like this reels-like content like i now scroll to instagram and i can look at other tiktok videos that have, have been posted in there twitter i think it's adopting it as well so based on how quickly this has moved in the digital space like that idea of like everything visual everything quick and using reels what are some future trends that you predict which should kind of watch out for, especially right now that we're kind of moving post pandemic.
1: Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of it. I think they've shown with the rise of Reels and and TikTok and things like that, that quick hit kind of content uh, heralds back to Vines, you know, the day, the days of Vines, you know, we, we know that that resonates with people. We do have short attention spans. People are looking for quick hits of like funny, funny, funny things. So I think that we're gonna to continue to see, even LinkedIn now does stories, right? So all of the channels are starting to mimic and and really harness the power of that type of medium. So I think that's gonna to continue to, to rise as well. I think you're gonna to continue to see a lot of social justice and equity content. I think that that's gonna continue, especially on the day that it is today. I think you're gonna to continue to see a lot of that content and you're gonna see a lot of brands also aligning themselves with those values. So I think that that is something that's on the horizon.
2: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And it's kind of something I think I would expect at this point, like um, you, I also talked about some major shifts that influencers and non-traditional forms of advertising are still a debate topic and whether they're legit forms of brand promoting themselves or something otherwise used. But um, so what are your thoughts on using influencers and brand ambassadors? <laughs> yeah absolutely. So uh,
1: i I used to make absolutely no secret about my dis, my distaste for a lot of the uh, practices and things that I saw. You know, with the when it began, I was certainly not a fan, um uh, mostly because brands didn't really know how to use them. And most mm-hmm. of the influencers didn't know what they were doing. You know, really, it was, I think, a path to modeling, a path to free stuff, a path to kind of vapid fame. You know, I think that that it was, uh, I'm not a big fan of, you know, girls taking photo shoots down in the beach holding cans of juice things like that i don't <laughs> think uh, work really really well again i don't think that they were strategically thought through properly right um i read a stat the other day like 75% of marketers struggle with finding the right influencer and i think that that is still true i think finding someone that is invested in your brand that represents it to its core value and dna understands the audience and it's not just a gun for hire, you know, that'll do anything for mm-hmm. anyone, but it's just really, truly someone that does embody your brand. I also think that there's a difference between ambassadors and influencers and celebrity and content creators, right? I think mm-hmm. that there's nuances between the capabilities of those type of people. And I think a lot of brands have been kind of lost. They're like, we need to do this. We need to do this immediately. So they rush into some decisions without it it being kind of backed up with a strategy and maybe the right choice of people we know now like with with the way that things are changing there's also a stat that says influencer marketing has an 11 percent higher roi than digital marketing wow you know, so that's not something that people can really ignore but you have mm-hmm. to do it right or not or not do it or not really do it at all right we know <laughs> these marketing budgets too i see marketing budgets around this like doubling year over year when it started right. years and years ago it didn't really take off the exact same way that i think that we're going to see it happen now and you know really at the end of the day if you do do it right it's a great way to build trust with your audience it's a great way mm-hmm. to borrow interest it's a great way to align affinities it's a great way to cross pollinate your content it's a great way to have someone take on that content for you most brands don't have people that can make TikToks. you know like finding mm-hmm. that and then also it's a great way for community growth because you're going to be able to cross pollinate with the audiences, right? You're going to be able to bring some of those audiences to your brands. And if you're, you're aligned with that influencer properly, like that's going to be a really easy way to do it. People do Mm -hmm. respond to the people they trust, telling them kind of what, what they should, what they should check out. And we know that it works. So be strategic in your choices, be strategic with your goals And like anything else, you just, you need a plan. You need to define your audience. You need to find the right influencers. You need to monitor them for opportunities. You need to engage with them properly and co-create with them, right? You need someone that understands the brand. You need to build relationship with them and their audiences. And then again, you gotta measure the outcomes. You have to just make sure that it's working and it's working as it should, and be able to make choices on the fly. And if you have a strong strategic backbone, like It'll allow you the freedom to make those choices, and not so. Yeah, and not all influencers can make great content, right? right? Oh, like, true. Right? you have true. you have you have people that have influence because people like them for something, right? But right. it doesn't mean that, there, that doesn't mean you, you can hire one influencer and like they're all of a sudden going to be a spokesperson on LinkedIn and then they're going to be creating yeah. TikTok. Like, it again, you need to un when I said the mission statement per channel right look at your channels really understand what you're using each of them for in that ecosystem and then really Mm -hmm. like evaluate and make sure the content you're producing whether it's influencer-led or not suits Mm -hmm. that end goal and also really um, not only represents the brand but can like help move the brand forward Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like consumers can tell when something feels genuine, like
1: when oh, yeah. it
0: actually fits versus when it feels fake. Like I, I have my list that I'm going to reserve the names right now, but <laughs> I know that these people do not generally believe in the brand. And if I see it, it's just because they're TikTok famous. Yeah. And like yeah. As, as a consumer, like you don't want to see that content anymore. Like there, yeah. there was a brand of jewelry I used to love on TikTok, but then they partner up with someone that I know she's not into fashion. Like she dresses <laughs> not the best. But she got famous on TikTok and now she's promoted like this type of like famous, delicate, elegant jewelry. I'm like, that doesn't feel fit your brand. Like they paid mm-hmm. you clearly because you have, I don't know, like fifty million followers. I something like that. And yeah. when consumers like realize it feels fake, I feel like the brand kind of gets affected because like you can like on TikTok you can mm-hmm. click not interested, you can click on follow, everything else. And, like probably brands are taking note on that right now. And I feel they're doing a bit better in that part of like researching like who really fits because
1: they yeah, don't want to give that's,
0: stuff to everyone
1: Yeah, that's that's a such a good point because not only can it not be effective, it can damage your brand. Absolutely. Um there's a lot of past cases of you know influencers and social media initiatives damaging brands, but your audiences will call bullshit on you. Um you know we we know when things just feel like not you know when everything's a little bit suspicious you're just like yeah that's that's not cool right i think that those brands that are going after just large audience bases they're doing it for the wrong reasons and it really doesn't establish that long-term that long-term trust right but again done right it is one of one of the probably most effective ways you look at you know ryan reynolds and aviator jen you know you look at people um And the way that celebrity, I mean, Ronaldo and and Coca-Cola versus water, right? Like you look at the role of celebrity in our culture and our stand culture, you can understand how um, influencers and ambassadors and celebrities can really do, they really do can make or break brands and initiatives.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like, especially like now that in the digital era, you can see something like within seconds and the news is going to travel if a brand does something wrong. And mm-hmm. with that, consumers are now holding brands accountable, which, like, it, it's a great thing now that consumers are more aware of what's going on. But with that, also the term cancel culture has arise. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of wanting to block a person or a brand from ever having a platform again, it's, it's something so used. And I see it all the time on, on TikTok specifically when someone definitely screwed up They're like cancel, 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 cancel. And sometimes you don't even know the right content. Like people were trying to cancel Burger King, like big corporation with their women belong in the kitchen ad and like they deserve it. Like it it wasn't a really good execution. But that term of canceling is still highly debatable. Like some people call the term very problematic because you may not have the full image or and other people say it's like simple justice. Like what are your thoughts kind of like in the term?
1: interesting i think it's i think it's a really really complicated issue and i think that the key for me around it is is context right it's it's context like there are certainly people that have been exposed for certain things that i am not interested in kind of viewing their content or aligning myself with them where other people i think are cancelled unnecessarily without context right so i think it's on a case-by-case basis but your point about audiences holding people accountable especially with some inequities and injustices more coming to light day over day over day i mean holding brands and holding people that have spotlights accountable to how they conduct themselves i think is a healthy dialogue and certainly something so that everyone we should have continue to different opinions. Have and everyone reacts uh, to things differently so again i think context is key and everyone has to be really comfortable with the decisions that they make and why and just have a full purview into into the why of it
0: yeah you're gonna risk like at least one time in your life try to be cancelled like in one of your works if you screw up and with that has there ever been a moment in your career where a work of yours <laughs> faced backlash like that to the point of oh my god i'm gonna get cancelled
1: um for me it was more um I've done bad things at work. I'm not sure I've done anything like I had any major mistakes <laughs> mm-hmm. that would, that would get me canceled. Um, but you know, there's, there's certainly, there's certainly when you're starting out, very easy ways to kind of screw up that work for sure. For sure. Um, I remember, I remember once, uh, early in my career, I was working on print brochures and, uh, working with the layouts and I put in, I didn't have the the final phone number um, sorted with the client. So I put in a fake phone number and thought, I'll get to that later. Um, well, I didn't and it went to press (laughs) and it was about a, it was about a $16,000 mistake. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're new to an agency, it's not really the most cozy place to be when you have to tell someone you've made a $16,000 mistake. So, you know, I kind of for there have a bit of a framework of how How I deal with those things or that I counsel students on how to deal with those things when they arise kind of like a a bit of a a six a six-parter just to make sure that you're dealing with it appropriately and that you're you're rectifying it appropriately and you can still get up and and do your job the next day like for me it's really about feeling your mistake and letting you mourn it first you know like Feel your feelings, (laughs) Uh, whatever, whatever the mistake is, you know, and and you're, you think you're going to, you're going to hear about it, you know, feel your feelings first and then like kind of step out of the emotional part and look at it then rationally, right? Don't get Mm -hmm. stuck in like feeling bad about it and then kind of keep it in perspective and be proportional. You know, advertising is not, social media is not brain surgery. There's always a solution to a problem. Like there really is. And people make mistakes all the time. Big brands, like you said, Burger King, right? Taco Bell, if you take a look at like some of the biggest mishaps ever, you know, you're just, it's like inconceivable how they happen. You're like, oh my goodness, this is bonkers. Like how did this happen? Right. Then I usually think about the worst thing that can happen, right? Like what's the worst case scenario. And if I'm okay with that, then I don't have to be scared anymore. I'm like, okay, I've thought through the worst thing that can happen. So Mm -hmm. I can let go of like being scared and then like just conduct myself and Mm -hmm. then you know apologizing i don't think you always need to apologize in the workplace if you do something but i think you certainly need to acknowledge it you know and not make excuses even or justifications you see some of the celebrities that have been cancelled some of them come back with you know heartfelt apologies without excuses some come back with tons of excuses and it feels really disingenuous so i think it's Mm -hmm. the same of anyone you know kind of making a faux pas just You know, don't throw up excuses and justifications, just apologize, acknowledge, and then have a bit of a plan, you know, for fixing it. And if you're not, if you're not able to fix it, if, you know, the horse has left the barn and you're like, well, (laughs) that's over, you know, you should probably have a, have a good plan on how to make sure it doesn't happen. Again, like with my brochure example, I then got in the habit, if I didn't have a piece of crucial information um, approved, I would put X's in. You're not going to mix a wh- miss a whole bunch of X's in a layout the way that you would just assume if you see a phone number that it's correct, right? right? So, just little strategies to do that, and I would say then you kind of have to earn trust. Whether you're a celebrity or you're just you know working in the office, you've got to earn trust back through actions and not words. So, you know, Chrissy Teigen's like she's writing all these big you know apology letters to every celebrity on the planet, but you know, mm-hmm. words words are pretty words are pretty easy, especially when you have a PR team. Uh, You have to earn trust back in those situations, um, with, with your actions. And then like really to to tie that all up is I think sometimes when people make mistakes, sometimes it's because you're not informed, you know, you don't know the mistakes that you've made or the things that you've said. So I think educating yourself around those is super important. And then making sure you're taking care of yourself. Sometimes just errors and how you communicate or what you do at work, it's, it's a function of being overworked or moving too fast or trying to do too much or not asking for help. So I just think too, like rounding all that up, no matter whether you're famous or you're an account coordinator, is just making sure you're kind of taking care of yourself so your judgment stays intact and just learn learn as you go. Learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Cause even the big grown-ups that have been doing this for twenty years mess up and have to learn as we go. So
0: Yeah, it's something and, like a fear that we're all gonna go through like something that victoria and i have talked before actually oh, like yeah. when we screw up in an agency where we screw up at our work how do we deal with that because when we screw up at school like it, it's different it's fixable like you're just gonna get mm-hmm. a low grade but you didn't affect a campaign or a brand or cost it anyone money
2: or and, like, people or people <laughs> yeah like i don't know like because especially if you do something offensive like that that affects people right so i don't know it's like, yeah, I, there's
1: consequences. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's why the just acknowledging and learning. You know, we all have a lot to learn about how to communicate appropriately. And when you look at all the intersections mm-hmm. of, you know, race and class and gender exactly. and inequity, right? Like, people are going to make mistakes, but everyone just has to keep educating themselves, learning from each other, being honest, being transparent you know, owning up to shit. Like that's just really important stuff, whether you're conducting yourself at work or you're putting a campaign forward for clients, right? That's yeah,
0: true. true. And like all these lessons will stick with us for the when the time comes, cause it's gonna come. And talking about time, we know how ran out of it. So Moxie, do you have <laughs> any last advice you feel may be key for future, future strategies out there to hear?
1: Yeah, I would, I would say, make your approaches evidence-based i would say have fun and be creative i would say don't be afraid of making mistakes you know innovation comes from mistakes and really build great relationships um, not just with the brands you're working with but your colleagues making great um, relationships especially early in your career some of the best times and the best relationships and the most fun and the biggest periods of growth for me we're in those early days at agencies um, and it's really important and and, um, such a great opportunity for you guys to really grow and learn. And some of those people will be relationships you have for the rest of your life. So bring your whole friggin' self to work, man. Like just Mm -hmm. bring yourself, be yourself, do your best and have fun. No, Mm -hmm. one's going to get hurt. If you do a little social media, you're going to be just fine. (laughs)
2: well i would just like to say thank you very much your advice like very much reassured not only myself but i'm sure everyone listening um with that said guys thank you uh that was the big idea moxie thank you so much for joining us today it was very insightful
0: with that victoria and i said goodbye and we will see you next episode bye bye